Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland News and Media Sport podcast. My name is Andrew Henderson, and for the first time on this podcast, I'm not joined by sports editor Will Clark. He's off on annual leave this week and next, but fear not, I'm not on my own. You're not going to have to listen to me drone on for 20 minutes, half an hour, however long this goes for. I am joined by a man who made his Balls and Whistles debut last week, Alistair Fraser. Alistair, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me again. I, I really thought you wouldn't want me back after last week's performance. But uh, no, uh, and uh, just to say, um, standing in for Will, I mean, that's a big set of boots to fill, isn't it, really? I'm only just now realising I should have fanfare for you the way you had for me after I was off for a week. That's true, yeah. With the Scotland game looming tonight, I think I can use an analogy. I feel a wee bit like Oliver McBurney coming off the bench for, <laughs> I don't know, Lyndon Dykes or something like that. Uh, I know how he must feel and flailing around uh, aimlessly on the pitch. Well, that <laughs> but, obviously means this is the week McBurney is going to finally score a hat-trick for Scotland. Settle for that, yes, certainly. <laughs> Well, last week when you were on, the, the main topics, I suppose, were the Colts discussion coming at the SPFL, but also the return of the Scottish Cup. I think we have to start with the Cup again this week. It was a, a huge result for Brora on Tuesday. You were at the game, Alistair. There was so much reaction coming out of it. But let's start with the game itself. Was it a deserved 2-1 win in the end, do you think? It was, it, it, it's got to be deserved. I mean, it'd be very easy to talk up Hart's feelings and ignore just what a performance it was from Brora. It really was a wonderful night. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to remember a performance by a team that was so just so committed. We were pretty early in the game, the first 10 minutes even, and they were throwing their bodies behind the ball and putting their bodies on the line in a way that, you know, you usually see in the last 10 minutes of games, not in the opening 10 minutes of games. That's how, how well Hearts actually started the game. And that's, that's, you know, that's one thing to remember, that Hearts actually started the game very well. They started at pace which is what I think Robbie Nielsen would have wanted against a team that hadn't played a lot of football. But Brora stood up to it, and what a goal they, they started with. Jordan McRae, who's obviously at Nairn County before, uh, he's a talent, and he rocket, he absolutely rocketed the ball into the top corner. It was a wonderful moment, and I wonder just how much that played on Hearts psychologically. You know, they suddenly realised they didn't have to just break down Brora, they had to defend as well, and I, th- I think... Um, as the game unfolded, Brora were always capable of hitting them on the break, which was, it was good to see, you know, just a tremendous advert for, for the Highland League. I was at the, the Buckey Cali Thistle game. I was following this on social media from afar. It would have been quite easy to assume that adrenaline might have gotten through that opening spell, especially going to the lead, it would have just kept them going. But then once Hearts got that equaliser, I did fear for them and I thought their chance had gone, but they responded just incredibly well to get back in the lead from there. They did. Um, I think we all thought that, you know, we, we thought, oh, well, here you go. And I know myself and some of my colleagues in the press were rewriting our intros, preparing for a Hearts victory at that point. But immediately, Brora, it, one of the players put, put it afterwards like this. In fact, I think it was Jordan McRae himself. He said, we suddenly realised that this was going to be our season over and we might as well just give, you know, we, he said as well, he said, we wouldn't, you know, if we'd lost the game, we wouldn't see each other for four months. And we just decided we we may as well empty the tank and have a go at them. And they got a couple of set pieces of the Dutch lad, um, Bjorn Wagener. He sent one just over the bar and he sent another one flashing across the box, which Martin McLean just took beautifully, you know, the calmest of half volleys right into the top of the net. So 
that was that was brilliant. And you know what? I talking about intros as a, from a journalistic perspective. I started writing it as a Barora victory because I I just sensed Hearts wouldn't come back after that, and they they didn't. They were beaten. They tried obviously a little bit. They pressured a little bit, but it was just fantastic from Barora. And as I say, as spirited a performance I think I've seen in twenty five years working in this game. It hasn't been that long, has it? It might have been more actually. <laughs> <laughs> let's say 20 years yeah let's just go for that it's interesting though you're saying like Jordan McRae they thought during the match that this is our season over I think going yeah. into it when you know I'd talked to Ronnie Sharp the Nairn manager he was kind of saying that as a negative people would be thinking is it worth coming back for this one game but that seemed to really inspire Brewer in the moment it did in the course of the game you know it's exactly that and it probably says a lot about their mindset that, that they're used to winning games and you know, it, that's what they did against a team that sees itself as a premiership team. And I mean, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on where you think this stands as a shock. I mean, there's been debate in the last couple of days as to whether this is actually the, the biggest shock. And I know Will, in his uh, characteristic fashion, has told us it definitely is the biggest shock. So I, th- I suppose we just have to accept that. Yeah, I mean, if he's decreed it, it must be true. It must be, yes. Yeah. So it's not worth debating unless you want to add anything to it. Well, there's obviously been a lot of talk about compared to Cali Thistle, I think probably just because they're both teams from this sort of area. But it's quite easy to forget. That was a huge shock, not downplaying whatsoever. But Cali Thistle are only one tier below Celtic at that point. Yep. You know, there's, what, three leagues between Brewer and Hearts? The only other one I've seen come up on social media that's, that's comparable to and might just edge it out is Fraserburgh against Dundee back in the 60s but really like that's that's so far before my time I, I can't quantify how big of a shock that was really so I'm not going to try and say that was definitely bigger that definitely wasn't I was hoping to catch you out in that one actually and uh, I know you're <laughs> from the Brock so I was I was hoping that you would forget about that one but uh, I think it was 1959 wasn't it and then there was obviously 1967 Berwick Rangers beat Rangers and mm-hmm. I wonder if you know if we if we're really going to be analytical about it probably that is a bigger shock but Brora are a a part-time team b a part-time team who had played once competitively this year and they hadn't played in over two months they'd only managed five training sessions this year because of restrictions and difficulties it's just a superhuman effort really from a set of players who play for a love of the game you know um and that's shown through and I mean it it was just if you've been to Brora, which I know you have, it's a lovely, welcoming club. There were some great individuals there who transcend the whole successful Brora period. You know, I'm sure there have been a lot of people who have come behind the club as it's become more successful. But I was really pleased for some of the people like John Young, the former chairman, who I know was there in the dark days at Brora when they were down near the bottom of the league. And he told me years ago about a wee tale, and he, you know, he wasn't being boastful about it. He, he was just telling me the reality, which was the club came within a few hours of going bust, and he actually emptied his own bank account eh, to to save the club at that time. And, you know, guys like him and the secretary, Kevin Mackay, there was a really moving tribute to the late tea lady, um, Sheena Manson, who died sadly at the age of 89 eh, last month. And I thought it was a credit to Stephen Mackay and both players who came forward for interview that at a time when they were celebrating their best moment, probably, in their career, they spared a thought for her, her family, 
Um, there was some real emotion behind her words. And you could tell, I mean, one of the phrases used was, we just loved her to bits. You know, she was like a, almost like a mother to these players. And it was credited to her. You know, of course, there was a minute silence before the game for her as well. So I think, um, you know, the whole evening will stay with me just because it was um, a wonderful football performance, but a deserved sort of reward for a, for a great wee football club. Yeah, and I'll just echo what you said. It was great to see those tributes coming in after the game. I, mean, I think that was one of the main things that actually was getting shared around social media and got picked up by you know national news outlets, not just what we're doing here. So it was really great to see. Um, and one of the other things, as I say, you were at the game, you were talking to the master that the guys were talking about was potentially proving a bit of a point to the SPFL. I mean, that, that was one thing that came through in the interviews as well. I, I think there's a real sense of grievance at Barora. They feel they were a wee bit disrespected uh, last year when, of course, the SPFL came to a halt, understandably so. And there were, you know, there were all manner of pressures on the football authorities, but they seem to just forget about any prospect of uh, promotion and then, of course, vote against reconstruction that might have helped the Highland League and the Lowland League champions. So there was just a a wee bit of anger behind all the celebrations, you know, as well, because every single person interviewed mentioned that. There's meetings next week, I'm told. I, I don't know the full details on these meetings, but I think um, you may, might know more than me that there, there may be a vote on this uh, 12, 10, 10, 16 proposal that we obviously went into last week. Yeah, that that seems to be the case. There's been a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with the league over the, the next couple of seasons. And I don't want to go too much into that proposal because, like you say, we talked about it in quite a lot of depth last week, but it does seem to be there will be some form of indication, at least, um, yeah. in the next few days about what's going to happen with that. It did strike me, I mean, going back, right back to when Ross County came into the leagues, they won back-to-back Highland League titles at a very timely moment, but they also pulled off some Scottish Cup shocks they, they they got a reputation and it, it was really timely it, it, a lot of it was in the timing and they, I remember they beat Forfar I think it was 5-2 which I know it's Forfar doesn't sound like a, a massive scalping but at the time it was a big uh, shock result and sometimes the timing of these things can really help a team's cause when when it comes to staking a claim and, and being taken seriously I suppose as well you know yeah absolutely and you know, we've seen Brora over the last couple of years been right up there at the top end of the Highland League and you see what Cove's done, Brora might well be the next ones to go and do it. But next on the agenda for Brora is going to be the next round of the Cup against Stranraer. We might talk a little bit more about it next week, but after beating Hearts, there's no reason to be fearful about this one. There's the danger though, isn't there? You know, because we've seen it so many times in the past that if there's any sense among the players that this should be easier... It's sure to go wrong for Brora, but hopefully there's a healthy kind of outlook on the game. And and yet again, their their thoughts of wanting the season to continue um, will drive them on, you know. As you say, we'll probably talk about it more next week, but uh, it's another great game to look forward to. Uh, and a game I hope, hopefully I'll be at, at that one as well. Yeah, they're, they're back at home. You might be back to Dungeon Park. <laughs> be a couple <laughs> yeah. of quick succession trips for you there. But you might also be doing Cali Thistle next Friday. Again, we'll talk about the Derby next week in, in loads of detail, I'm sure. But they got there by beating Bucky Thistle 3-2 on Tuesday night. 
they took the lead after 35 seconds and you know what I don't think I would have been alone in thinking this could be a route here this could be five six seven whatever Cali Thistle want to be like we were talking about with Brewer earlier the situation not having trained not having played it seemed like if Cali Thistle got that early lead that could be game over and that was so not the case Bucky came back pretty well it took them a few minutes to adjust to that I think but they got a goal about 10 minutes later to equalize Fantastic finish from Sean Welsh from around about 30 yards out halfway through the first half to put Cali Thistle back in the lead. And then Bucky spent most of the second half just trying to get back in the game. They defended really well. They had the better chances. Finally got an equaliser in the 84th minute only to have that stolen away from them two minutes later when Daniel Mackay got the winner. It was a really fun game to watch. I don't think many people might have expected it to be that close, especially once Keating's got the goal so early. It really just doesn't matter how they did it. They got through. That's all they'll care about, isn't it? It could be a massive result. And, you know, you, you would have seen the, the quality or lack of quality in, in the performance. But just to win the game, as you say, is crucial. The whole tone of Neil McCann's press conference today was about momentum. You know, it was about the feel-good factor that seems to be building, you know, confidence building at a crucial time with, what, six games to go in the league. So... His message was clear. Forget about Ross County on Friday. Our growth is a huge game. Yeah, and I spoke to Miles Story after the game on Tuesday. He said something very similar, to be fair. Let's have a little hear of what he had to say. Sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it's, we need, need to be in the hat at the end of the game. Um, I think we responded well every time they sort of pegged us back. Um, but, you know, they did well tonight. I mean, you saw the scores elsewhere. Um, so it was a sticky place to come. Um, you know, they haven't trained much, but I think they should be proud that they pushed us all the way. And, um, you know, like I say, it's just good to be, you know, looking forward to the game against County now. Because, you know, it goes to extra time and pens, anything can happen. Um, and going into the late stages of the game, if it's 2 2, we could be in trouble. So uh, we did well to respond, put a bit of pressure on him, um, and got in front again. So we'll take it. A little bit of background noise there, a little bit of wind, but you know you get the message. They just really cared about getting that win. And it's the only the second time this season they've won three on the trot. They just could be coming to form to start that right time. As you're saying, only a handful of games left in the league and momentum is everything at this time of the season. Yeah, and it, I'm interested to learn how Daniel Mackay played because he, he's now got, is it two goals in three games? He scored against Wraith in Kirkcaldy. He scored on Tuesday night. It's just... You know, really encouraging that they are, well, for one thing, they scored three goals against Bucky, which they haven't done for a while. But, um, you know, it's just encouraging that the young players are getting end product, you know, because I was uh, the one that said last week that that's really where they had, have to improve. And if Daniel Mackay can put a wee run of goals in, it could be massive. It could, it could be pivotal in the final games of the league season. But, of course, the bad news today was he, he'd come off late in the game. And um, he, he's still struggling a wee bit with his hamstring. It's not a serious injury, but it might rule him out this weekend uh, against our growth. Yeah, we're talking about momentum for the team. Daniel Mackay has been so unlucky when it comes to personal momentum. Whenever he seems to get in the team and get a bit of a run of form, something happens and he's taken out, whether that's injury or other guys coming back, as it was at the start of the season, and he just loses that head of steam he's built up. He looked really on it on Tuesday night, I have to say. The, the intensity level was there. He, he looked desperate to make something happen, which hasn't always been the case from Cali Thistle's forward players over the last couple of months. But he was good, and he deserved his goal, I think. And obviously, he's the match winner away at Wraith Rovers in the league. 
he was singled out for praise by Neil McCann after the match. You were at the press conference. Uh, the same sort of thing happened. Being an ex-winger, he got a special interest in these young players uh, like Roddy McGregor and Daniel Mackay. And I'm sure, you know, in the time that John Robertson is away, Neil McCann will be such a valuable mentor to them, um, you know, in whatever time remains of that. It was also interesting, Neil was talking up Billy Dodds's impact on the training ground. He basically just, you know, apart from anything else in terms of his personality and his bubbly nature, uh, I think they'd had a lot of fun today in training, doing these little games in tight boxes. And Neil McCann and Barry Wilson and Billy Dodds had joined in with the players because uh, McCann was groaning and saying he was stiff and uh, uh, suffering after um, his exertions. But I think the mood that comes across from the players is that they're in a far happier place than maybe even a month ago, you know. For whatever reason, they see, seem to be growing in confidence and growing in togetherness, which is probably the most important part. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased you mentioned Billy Dodds, actually, because talking to Shane Sutherland after the Dunfermline game, he made a point of mentioning Billy Dodds as well. So he definitely seems to have had an impact, even in the, the quite short time he's been there. And like you say, there's a feel-good factor about Cali Thistle. I would guess part of that is just down to them winning games. That always helps. Uh, and they're going to have a tough ask on their hand this weekend to be our broth, who have been a, a bit of a bogey team for them at times over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, our, our broth, as I think Will said in the last podcast, actually play some very good football, but they can be very hard to beat as well because Dick Campbell and his brother Ian are old masters at setting up teams to frustrate uh, when they need to frustrate. And they seem to have something over Cali Thistle, certainly. So maybe that's why, um, in McCann's words, this is a massive game for Cali Thistle because they're within touching distance of second place if they can get a run going now. Um, and, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about them surviving in the league. And now we're, we're looking at a possible second place finish. For me, if anything, I think this is going to be the real test of where Cali Thistle are at. They've always done relatively well against the big teams in the league when they're the underdogs against a premiership team in cups. It's beating teams like Aloha and beating teams like Arbroath that they've done it, but they haven't done it as regularly as they would need to to really challenge for promotion from the championships. So if they can go out against a team that will be very tough to break down and break them down and get three points... That's going to be huge for their confidence, momentum, and it's going to really set them up for the rest of the season to go on and do, hopefully, some pretty great things. That remains to be seen. Home performances have been a wee bit frustrating, haven't they? You've seen a lot of games recently where they've maybe struggled to break teams down. So my big hope for the game is that they obviously turn it on, but above all else, just get that win again. Whether it's an ugly win, you know, who cares? That's basically going to sum up the season, isn't it? If it's an ugly win, who cares? It's still a win. <laughs> Ross County could probably be doing with some more ugly wins, but they're going to have to wait for the time being because they don't have a match this weekend. There was, however, press. And Alistair, I was thinking about bringing this up over the last couple of weeks anyway, but John Hughes has actually been talking a little bit about his future in the press conferences this week. Well, to, to an extent he has. Um, John Hughes is a cleverer, more measured manager than maybe he was Last time around, and I mean that in the best possible sense because, you know, he's he's always been very talkative in press conferences and maybe, you know, he's a wee bit more measured now in what he says. And he knows, you know, he knows fine well that he can't come out and sort of demand a contract extension or demand talks on his future. 
He came into the job purely on the basis of helping Ross County survive in the Premier League and they were going to take it from there. So it all hinges on whether Ross County stay in the league. I think if they stay in the league, he will get the nod from Roy McGregor to take the team forward and actually build his own squad at Ross County. And if not, I think that they'll be looking for somebody to get them back out of the championship. Hughes' impact on County is something me and Will have talked about a couple of times over the last weeks and months. What do you make of the job he's done so far in Dingwall? I think um, he's undoubtedly done an excellent job, but the jury's out because they've got this um, self-destructive streak, Ross County, and they're so up and down that really... Is that John Hughes doing? I doubt it, you know, because what he's trying to do is change our habits, bring a bit of resilience, I suppose, to the team because they're fragile. You know, it's it seems like it's baby steps with Ross County. You know, it's one step forward, one step back. So from what I'm told from within the club privately, he's made a big impact on the training ground. I mean, people talk about John Hughes as a motivator, a man manager, but he's actually, you know, from everything I've heard from players he's an excellent coach and I think he's brought a lot on that side of it that Ross County could do well to harness but it's all down to whether they stay in the league. I wasn't up here when he was Cali Thistle manager but from everything that I've read and talking to players who worked under him he has a very distinct shall we say style of play. I think you've seen at County that once he's managed to get them in training all week and not playing two three times in seven days the longer he has to work with them, the better they are becoming, which I think gives a lot of hope for the future, for County staying up and potentially beyond if he does get the job permanently. For a guy that as a player was, you know, all about the rugged elements of the game, he likes his football and he likes to play from the back. And when his teams, you know, I'm not, I'm not just talking about Cali Thistle, but when he was at Hibs and Falkirk, when his teams have done it well, it's been impressive. It's sometimes that, you know, if, if, if teams lose confidence, that element of playing the ball from the back can be quite a dangerous game. So it doesn't always work. But one thing I would say is that Roy McGregor likes his managers to try and play a bit of football. In the past, those that haven't embraced that have not stayed around for too long. So I think that's one thing in John Hughes' favour. If he can make it his own squad next season, he will bring that element to Ross County. And I think it's, it'll be exciting times. One of the stories that was in the North Star, I believe, this week was a little bit of team news from Ross County. Callum Morris is out for the season, which I think we may already have known but hadn't properly been confirmed. But also, Mohamed Moush is finally on the way to making a Ross County debut. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was actually a Ross County fan that got in touch with me about uh, Mohamed, uh, you know, and reminded me because I'd kind of forgotten about him, if I'm being honest. Um, but you know, there's a story behind it. Um, I think a wee bit of a family tragedy. He he lost his his mum, went back to France, and he's had to come back. And, he, you know, that broke up his time he'd been spending trying to build up his match or, or his fitness, basically, at Ross County. But what I'm told is that he's he's a very cultured midfielder. He, he's a kind of playmaker and he will bring a bit of technical ability to the heart of midfield. So... Whether he can make an impact in what games remain remains to be seen. But um, at this stage in the season, it's all hands on deck. So he'll be a welcome return for, for Ross County. It's just a shame about Callum Morris because, you, you know, you're mentioning earlier about player like, you know, Daniel Mackay losing momentum with injuries. And Callum Morris is, is exactly the same. Callum's had a lot of misfortune over, what, three years at Ross County. 
it always seems like just when he's beginning to become a, a mainstay, he suffers a wee setback and then is out for a spell. And this one is going to keep him out till the end of the season. He's had an operation in London on his hamstring. And although it went well, there's just not enough time for his rehab to see him back in the team for this season. That's the thing. Time's running out now. It's crazy. We're already down to the last few weeks of the season. Where has it gone? The one thing that's certain is we're in for a really exciting finish this season on, on every front, really, locally. Um, Ross County, Cali Thistle, and hopefully in the Scottish Cup. I, I think we, we we didn't mention Nairn County. I think it was a real disappointment for them. But you know, it was interesting talking to Ronnie Sharp because he went through the sort of the Highland League's involvement in the Scottish Cup and he pointed out that the likes of Brora for Martin, who've done well, have got the experience mm. in their ranks, whereas Nairn County at this moment in time I've got talent, but they've got a much younger squad and players who've never really faced that kind of test before. And I think they really suffered for that uh, against some some hardened, seasoned pros from the pros. You're absolutely right. I shouldn't have just totally skipped over an Aaron, but with the result going the way it was, I didn't want to dwell on it too long, really. <laughs> yeah. Fair play to Ronnie, because you know, you know what Ronnie's like. He could have won the game 7-1 and he was spoken in exactly the same manner as uh, he did when he'd lost. He's always honest and upfront and he doesn't try and hide behind any kind of, you know, the usual kind of smoke screens that, that can be thrown up by certain managers, you know. As far as we know at the minute, that's going to be Nairn's last game of the season because there's still no news on what's happening with the Highland League, whether that's coming back, if it is going to come back, when that's going to come back. One thing we do know is that there's no football for the time being for the leagues below the Highland League. And the reason I say that is because Inverness Athletic in the North Kyle League have been trying to do something to kill a little bit of the time while they can't actually play matches or have contact training or anything like that. And they have started up a fundraising challenge where they are trying to run the distance between all of the North Cali grounds twice. That is 952 miles they're trying to do in a month. And to be fair to them, they've gotten off to quite a good start. They were at around about 100 miles, I believe, a week in. So fair play to them. They're doing that. And they're not the only club to be doing a fundraising challenge either. Ross Sutherland Rugby Club are doing March into May, which starts this weekend, where that's just about racking up the miles. It doesn't matter how you do it. It could be a run, a cycle. As the club president, John Scott, said to me when I was talking to him about it, you could be riding a horse. It really doesn't matter. You just have to do as much as you can between this Sunday and the 1st of May. That's raising funds for the club's new clubhouse that is getting built, but we're just trying to put the finishing touches on it. And also My Name's Doddy Foundation. That is a great cause, funding research for motor neuron disease, or to beat motor neuron disease, I should say. They're not trying to improve it. That would be a weird thing to do. It's just one of these things. We've seen plenty of these challenges over the last year or so, and a couple more have, have sprung up while athletes all over the Highlands are trying to figure out what to do in the absence of sport. I suppose it's the one positive, isn't it, that you can draw from all this, that while people are denied their usual outlets for all their energy, they're pouring it into positive outlets like that. And, you know, it's great to see because... It really has been a tough time for grassroots sport, as, as you well know, and any good that can come from it is, is welcome. I'm not sure I've actually said this when I was running through the details. Inverness Athletics' run is to raise funds for Mikey's Line, uh, which is obviously a mental health and suicide prevention charity. So a lot of people will have been struggling over the last year without having the routine and the, the activity and the social aspect of sport. 
Um, so it just ties in all the more and, and makes it all the better that Inverness Athletic are, are going and doing something like this, in my opinion. We'll move on then. We're quite quickly rattling through some of this stuff. I had a story in this week's papers from Highland Cricket Club, Alistair. Well, I'm going to ask you all the cricket questions now. I'm going to put you on the spot. I may pass on on, on all of that, in fact. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to put you under the spotlight too much on cricket. I'm now away to read your article as we speak. <laughs> you mean you haven't already read it? I am shocked and appalled. It was a story talking to Highland captain John Paul Highland were the 2019 Nosca Senior League champions. There wasn't a league last year, so they're still the reigning champions. But it doesn't look like they're going to be able to defend their title because the pandemic has meant that so many people have left the club and sponsors have pulled out that they don't really have enough people to do it. And, you know, I know cricket isn't the most popular sports in Scotland and probably the more so the further north you go. But there can't be many other sports or teams where the defending champions aren't even entering the league to defend a title. That's just crazy to me. We've come to a phase now that every decade or so you do need to rebuild for that decade and you do need to find new blood, new players, youngsters. Um, I think it's all just come too soon. You know, ideally, when people move out, there's a couple of them coming in and it'll be two or three at a time, you know, not nine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's, that's, I suppose, I'm blaming partly COVID and partly because of, you know, the sort of things that actually kept the club going was we had uh, decent sponsors in Cobbs, uh, supplying all the teas, uh, Scott Bark um, sort of sponsoring us as well. So that kept our um, expenses low. We had storage at the bowling club, which allowed us to use mowers and stuff. Uh, so all that played a role in sustaining people. And I think... Everything's being pulled out at the same time um, just was too much. Um, so in my view, I think we've, we've actually done well to, to even get a second team out this year, uh, given the circumstances. There's that interview with John Paul, as I say, in the Highland News. He's also talking in today's Inverness Courier about the club's future even potentially being at risk at some point over the last few months. Guys have left because their jobs have been relocated because of the pandemic. They maybe just fancies a new challenge, gone to a different team, moved for various other reasons. Let's say sponsors have pulled out, which means that membership fees and all that sort of thing aren't subsidised the way that they once were. It's just all happened at once and it's not great for Highland. They are hoping to start up next sessions again next week, I believe. So fingers crossed they managed to recruit some people because I'd love to see more people picking up the sport and I would hate to see a club that has been as successful as Highland over the last few years have to fold or be in any danger of folding. I do wonder how many sports and clubs at kind of the lower level will find there's huge upheaval, you know. Um, I know some of them have stuck together. They've had, like my own daughter's uh, football club, have done Zoom sessions throughout training it's just not the same though mm. and people drift away they lose interest they take up other things the recovery is not just going to be economic after the pandemic it's going to be social it's going to be it's going to be all encompassing you know it's not just going we, we talk about economic recovery but you know there's so much in the sort of fabric of sport and society that's that's really going to be needing to revive you know I really hope that once restrictions are lifted and we can go out and do more and, and take part in all these things again, there'll actually be a bit of a boom with people just saying, well, we haven't been able to do anything for over a year. Let's go and try everything we can and make the most of it. I suppose it remains to be seen whether that will happen, but I really hope that's going to be the case. 
There'll certainly be, I mean, you know yourself that there's so many things that you took for granted that you appreciate more. And I think um, that'll be true in sport, just like everything else. It'll be, hopefully, knock on wood, great to see that happen in the summer. I think it's time for my usual whip around of some of the other papers and other stories that we're not going to touch in a huge amount of detail. In the John O'Groat Journal, there's going to be come and try sessions at Ray Golf Club. Those sessions are going to be particularly targeted to women and girls. Kind of like we were just talking about, you might have an influx of people giving sport a try that might not have given it a go before. They had been running it last year when golf was one of the few sports that could keep going during the pandemic. And it's going to be coming back on April 7th. And in the Northern Scot, there's a whole load of reaction to all of the teams being back in action from Algon in League Two and all the teams that were involved in Scottish Cup action. On their back page today, Daryl McHardy is apparently out to prove a point to Gavin Price that he should be playing and he should be in the team every single week. By the sounds of it, he's not been the happiest centre-back with his manager, but if anything, Gavin Price is actually quite enjoying that attitude by the sounds of it. <laughs> Gavin's a wily character too, and he'll know fine well which buttons to push with individuals like Daryl. Um, and if he's got that drive in him, all good for Elgin City. And I think that pretty much wraps us up for this episode. Again, I didn't really want to go into too much depth on Elgin after the week they've had with a couple of results going against them. So we'll leave that for when we've got someone from the Northern Scott back on to talk about their season. For the time being, that just leaves me to say the usual sort of thing. Go and buy a paper, support local journalism. If you're on any of the Highland News and Media websites, buy an e-subscription because there's going to be a lot of exciting things coming online in the next couple of weeks and months. Thanks to you, Alistair, for coming on. And I was about to say keeping me company, which just sounds so sad. (laughs) That's all right, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) To all those people listening, (laughs) to all those people listening, thank you very much. We'll be back next week with another episode of Balls and Whistles. Until then, have a good weekend.